Hey, that's nice. But can we just can we just make some noise for Jesus really quick? Come on. Lord, you are good. Jesus, you are amazing. We love you. Hey, I am, I'm so honored uh, to get to be here with you guys today. Um, I, I, I got to be a part of Mosaic last night, and I'm just so encouraged to be a part of, uh, of a spirit-filled Jesus University to get to witness uh, what students are doing on this campus. It was just so beautiful, and to get to be a part of it last night. Um, I, I really want to take a moment. I want to honor uh, your president, uh, President Scott Hagen, who is just such a, a fearless leader. I'm just so amazed at what God is doing. I really believe the best is yet to come. So good. You guys have such an awesome team. Uh, you've got Jeff and Jeff. You've got Doug Graham. You've got the best people ever. And I, I, I love what God is doing here in Minneapolis. Um, before we jump into the word, um, is it okay if I show you a little bit of my family? Can we do that real quick? Um, uh, I, uh, like, like President Hagen just said, uh, a year and a half ago, my beautiful wife, Kristen, and I started Trinity Church Harlem. Trinity Church Harlem. Oh, there it is. And, uh, and, and this is, these are my girls, the loves of my life. That is Kristen and that is Nora, little Nora. They are, they are wearing matching Reeboks because they are cool city girls. But I, I need you to pray for me because clearly she is going to be a beautiful, beautiful girl growing up in New York City where there are a lot of guys. And she's going to be, oh, it's not good. And so I need you to pray for me. But um, uh, these are the loves of my life. I'm just so thankful for them. Um, I wish they were here today. But but let's jump right into it. Um, I'm so excited for what God is doing um, uh, through our church. And I'm going to share a little bit about that story. Um, But but can you just open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16? We're reading out the Gospel of Mark. It's one of the synoptic Gospels. It's the first Gospel written. I don't know if, uh, I know we all have different majors. I know we all come to different things. But not all of us know that Mark is the first gospel, and, and I just want to uh, read with you today, and then uh, we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into it, but this is Mark, um, Mark chapter 16. This is everything. <laughs> this is literally the foundation of our faith. It's the hope we proclaim. It's the eternal life in which we have hope in. This is everything. This is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, but Before we know he's resurrected, there's some turmoil. I want to start in Mark 16, verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was over, three days after Jesus had died, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, or Salami, depending on how you want to pronounce it, (laughs) uh, bought spices that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early the next day of the week, uh, just after sunrise, they they were there on the way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone? Uh, But when they looked up, they saw that the the stone was very large and had been rolled away. But they entered the tomb, and they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. This angel said, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter. I want you to underline that. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Why is he pointing out Peter? Go tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you in a Galilee. There you will see him just as I told you. Uh, This sermon, if you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to, uh, 80% of people who take notes um, go to heaven. So if you would take notes, (laughs) 
just want to, just statistics. Uh, hey, come on. Uh, this sermon is called Come Back Home. Come Back Home. Can we pray? Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, would you speak through your word today? Would you encourage us as we're fulfilling our calling as students, as young people? God, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Yes. Hey, come on. Everybody said? Hey, I get to pastor a church in Harlem, New York City, and I actually grew up in a church very similar to the context of my church in Harlem. You see, I grew up in Miami. I was born in Seattle, Washington, up here, and, and uh, really I was born in Tacoma, Washington, and then my family, when I was eight years old, we moved to the inner city of Miami to, to, to pastor a small church. Uh, growing up, my family, we always said that our church was a diverse church. That's what, um, that's what white people call it, uh, a, a diverse church. But it, it wasn't a diverse church. Uh, we said it was a diverse church because my family attended. It was a black church, and we were the only white people there, but we called it diverse. Uh, I grew up in, in an all-black church, in an all-black context. I mean, I literally have photos of me. I mean, it's like old school, like, like, like choir robes, like, like, like singing in the choir. And I am literally, there's a photo of me swaying, bumping into the person on my right as the whole choir swaying right. I am swaying left. That is my context. I grew up, I grew up the only white kid. I grew up, I grew up in an interesting situation. And um, my church though, is um, it's not the biggest church. Uh, Right now, about a year and a half in, we have about 400 people joining us each week. It's not the biggest church, but, but it is the loudest church. It's the most lit church. It's the most excited church. And I'm just so thankful for people who are so energized by the power of God's spirit inside of them. So this is what I need you to do with me. I need you to preach with me this morning. Can we do that? So, so if I say something that you like, or that's interesting, that's good, uh, uh, or, or that's funny, I, I'm, I want you to participate with me. So if I say something you like, you can say, that's good. You can say, go on. You can say, preach it, white boy. You can say whatever you want, but on the count of three, I want you to practice one of those things. Can you do that real quick? You ready? One, two, three. <laughs> I love it. There's a bunch of racists over here, the preach it, white boy. I'm kidding. Hey, have things real quick, have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? Come on. Have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? Like, I mean, how many Vikings fans are, are there in this place? It's too easy. It's the Vikings. Um, (laughs) Have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? Uh, I'll never forget the, the, the day I met my wife. I, I, I went to a, an AG school just like you. I went to a Christian university. I went to Southeastern University. And, and, and I will never forget. It's okay. You can boo for it. Yeah, boo for it. I'll never forget meeting my wife. My buddy comes up to me. It's the first week of school, first semester. And my buddy comes up to me and says, bro, I met, I met this girl. And I'm like, okay, and? And he's like, she invited me to go to Cold Stones. Everyone knows that Cold Stones is God's ice cream. And, uh, and he, she invited me to go to Cold Stones. I was like, sounds like she has good taste. And, uh, and he's like, her and a few of her friends are going to Cold Stone tonight, and I need you to go with me. Will you go with me? And I was like, you're a man. You can go by yourself. And he's like, no, I need you to go with me. So I was like, okay. And, and, and we go, and I'll never forget like walking up to Cold Stone, and I'm with my buddy, and, and, and I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, so, so who are these girls? You know, like how guys do. And I'm like, so, so, so who are these girls? And he goes, well, I don't know her, her, but that's her. That's Kristen. <laughs> and I go, this is going to turn out differently than you had hoped, my friend. 
<laughs> this is not what you were bargaining for. I was the wrong guy to bring. And, uh, and, I, and I'll never forget the, that night, Kristen and I, we hit it off. Like I am pulling jokes. I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm going hard. I'm doing it big. I'm going, I'm going hard. This girl is laughing. I, we're going deep. We're, we're laughing. We're having fun. I'm pulling out my very best content. I'm like, this is awesome. This is going to turn out amazing. This is my first week of school. College is awesome. I love college. This is going to be awesome. And I'll, I'll never forget the, the, the night kind of comes to an, to an end. And all of a sudden, Kristen's like, all right, guys, well, I'm going to go. And I'm kind of like, oh, uh, okay, well, um, kind of having fun, you know, can I get your number? She goes, oh, now my boyfriend's picking me up. I'll see you later. I'm like. <laughs> you reap what you sow, you know. <laughs> Have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? <laughs> uh, it turned out differently than I hoped. I, hey, we all know, I eventually, I won the grand prize. Uh, I, I'm so thankful for my beautiful wife. But, but I think they were turned differently than you'd hoped. I, I, I don't know about you, but there's been so many seasons in my life where I've taken a step of faith, like going to college, like going to uh, the university that I felt like God called me to. And somewhere along the lines, I feel like things are turning out differently than I had originally hoped. Have you ever felt like, God, this doesn't feel the way I expected this season of my life to feel? I thought by now I would have a little bit more confidence in the calling that you had given me. I thought by now I would become the man or the woman of God that you have told me to be. God, why am I still struggling with that old sin? God, why am I still struggling with that insecurity? God, why have I still not found the one? Why am I still single on another Valentine's Day? God, why, why, why have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered, God, like, this isn't turning out the way I originally thought. You see, this is the exact same thing that the disciples are facing. You see, Jesus, this man, this teacher, this rabbi, they were following and they had given three years of their life, given him everything. They told their families that he was the Messiah. They were following him. And then he gets crucified like a common criminal on a cross. They've lost everything. Have things ever turned out differently than you had hoped? Following, doing your best. This is where they are. It's three days later after Jesus' death and you have Mary, Mary, and Salami going to the tomb and their hearts are broken. Their dreams are crushed. But an angel appears. Hope appears and says, go to the disciples and Peter. And Peter. I want to talk about Peter for a moment. You see, you see, things weren't always this way. Things weren't always, hey, our, our leader is dead. Things were not always defeated. You see, Peter's story, he starts, it starts with his calling. In Mark chapter 1, go to the very beginning of Mark. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I love this story of Peter because Peter starts as a fisherman but eventually becomes a fisher of men. Jesus starts as a fisherman but he eventually becomes the leader and the apostle of the church. And I just love this concept that before Peter becomes an apostle, he, w he was never qualified, but Jesus still called him. Have you ever felt like you were not qualified for the dreams that God has given you? 
I, I will say that the dreams that God has given you, if they feel like you can accomplish them on your own, maybe they're not big enough. Maybe they're not God dreams. You need a God dream today. You need the kind of dream that's so scary. You need the kind of calling that is so terrifying that you know that unless God sets you up, there is no chance it's ever going to happen. And I love this idea that Peter wasn't qualified to be a disciple of a rabbi. See, in the ancient Near East, young Jewish men would go to rabbinical school and they would learn the Torah. And as they would go through the different grades, eventually they would be filtered out. If they were smart enough, they would keep graduating to the next level. But eventually, like most students would, they would get to a certain age and they'd be like, all right, Peter, well, you're not smart enough. It's time for you to go back home and become a fisherman with the rest of your family. You see, this opportunity when a rabbi comes and says, will you be my follower, was the opportunity of a lifetime for Peter. Have you ever wondered to yourself, like, how did these guys, just like one day, a guy comes up to him and says, follow me, and they're like, okay. Like, I mean, it's not like an Instagram follower. It's not like a Twitter follower. Like, have you ever had that thought? Like, how on earth? Well, it's because a rabbi believed in someone who wasn't qualified to be a disciple. You see, rabbis all in the ancient Near East would call young men to be their disciples. And it would be an honor and a privilege to do this. But Peter wasn't qualified. But we all know that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. If you have a call of God on your life, I, I, I want to encourage you, friend. You might not feel qualified. You might not feel smart enough. You might not feel like you have all the tools that you need. You might not have grown up in the right family. You might not have grown up in the right neighborhood. You might not have had both parents at home. None of that matters because that does not determine your future. That is your past, and your past will never determine where God is calling you. So, friend, you might not feel called. You might not feel qualified, but if you are called, then God will qualify you in Jesus' name. See, you see, Peter, he wasn't qualified. I'll never forget when um, I'll never forget when the opportunity came to Chris and I to uh, become the pastors of Trinity uh, Church Harlem. There was a church in uh, in Harlem. It was called Glad Tidings Tabernacle. They had four people um, meeting, and 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 our leaders actually came to us and um, and gave my father the opportunity. Said, "Hey, would you become the pastor of this church?" and and my dad said, no, I will not, but uh, my son can become the pastor of the church. And, and I'll never forget my parents sitting me down and, and, and inviting me to become a pastor of a church in Harlem because I had a whole different plan. And, and, and I was nervous. I was nervous because it sounded too cool. You see, you see, they said, hey, there's a nightclub in Harlem in New York City. And, and, and if you decide to move there, you'll become a pastor and you'll own that nightclub. You'll have the entire thing completely debt-free. It's the coolest situation you could ever hope for. And friend, you know what terrified me about that call? Is that it was too cool. I think too many of us as young men and women, as college students, as millennials, as the next generation, are more concerned about cool callings than Christ callings. I think more often than not, we are only interested in a calling if it looks cool on social media, if it sounds cool when we talk about social justice, if it's only something that people go, oh, wow, that sounds like it's going to be something influential. Friend, don't ever jump into a cool calling if it's not a Christ calling first. Because the truth is, is the day will come when that cool calling will be tested, when that Christ calling will be tested. And if all you have to bank on is that it sounded like a good idea and not a God idea, you will quit on the middle of the mountain. 
I'll never forget the first day I became the pastor of Glad Tidings Tabernacle. There was four of us, and it was day one. It was February 1st, 2015. I remember the date clearly because things turned out differently than I had hoped because the Seattle Seahawks lost the Super Bowl. Things turned out differently than I had hoped. But I'll never forget, though, my first morning at in Harlem, my first morning as a pastor, I'm being introduced that morning. I'm the first person to show up, and there was a big snowstorm the night before, and there was snow everywhere, and I, I, I get out of my taxi, and I pull up, and all of a sudden I see in front of the church everywhere, just red. Like, what? Uh, is this ketchup? Kool-Aid? There was blood everywhere. It just got real. I call 911, I say, um, sir, th- there is blood all over my, in front of my church. I mean, like, like what happened here? And, and they said, oh, pastor, we're so sorry. Someone was murdered uh, in front of your church last night. They were stabbed to death. And, um, um, and yeah, and I was like, what? You see, if it was just a cool calling, I would have wanted to quit right then. If, if I only cared about what what people would know. See, it's not something, it's not a story I put on Instagram. It's not a, a, a tweet that, that goes out that day. It's a real encounter with God where in that moment, I had to have a heart check and I had to say, God, is this where I'm called? And yes, I was because I had an encounter with the living God and he told me months before that, Taylor, I am sending you to Harlem, New York City and I am sending you to people who are broken and it's in their brokenness that they will find wholeness through Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget being there that first morning and the NYPD saying, hey, yeah, that's your problem. That's your blood to clean up. And I remember cleaning up the blood, just thinking about the blood of Jesus that was shed for us and just thinking, God, I am so thankful for the revival that is going to come to these streets. I am so thankful for all that you are going to do in us and through us as a church. God, I am so thankful for what you're doing. You see, I I was called. I don't know that I was qualified, but I was called and your calling will eventually qualify you. Kind of like Peter. Here's the thing about your calling, students. Your calling has two parts. It has two parts. Everyone's calling has two parts and everyone shares the first part. Are you ready for it? Your calling has two parts and everyone's calling shares the first part. You're going to want to write this down because the moment you forget it, everything else will fall apart. You see, the first part of your calling is, is just like Jesus said to Peter. He said, he said, come and follow me. The first part of your calling is to be a follower of Jesus. That's everybody's calling. The first part of your calling is to be a disciple, a methetes, a lifelong learner, continually pursuing Christ, following Christ. The second part of your calling is how to do that vocationally. Some of you are going to become lawyers. Some of you are going to become teachers. Some of you are, are, are going to become police officers. Some of you are going to become pastors. And, and, and that's amazing. But, but, but God is asking you to follow him and then to figure out how to take that discipleship, how to take that following, and, and to make a living with it to build his kingdom. Here's the thing, students. If you're not careful, we'll spend more time thinking about part two than about part one. 
And you know where our hopes begin to fall apart and where our dreams begin to feel like they're crashing down? When all of our energy is going to part two and we're spending none of our time on part one. If we don't learn to follow Jesus first and keep that at the forefront of our minds, then what our career is, how we earn our income and what we end up doing in this world is pointless and it'll always end up making us feel empty if we don't get part one right, which is being a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is more concerned about what you're going to be. He's less concerned about what you're going to do. If you spend all of your time thinking about part two of your calling, what am I going to do with my life? Then you've forgotten the most important part of your calling, which is who you're going to be. What are you going to become with your life? At the end of your life, you're not going to lay on your deathbed going, oh, I wish I would have done this more, done that more. I believe that we're going to be more concerned not with what we did or did not do. I think we're going to be concerned with who or who we didn't become. Who do you want to be? Who is God calling you to be? Jesus says to Peter, he says, come and follow me. Part one. Then I will teach you how to fish for men. Come and follow me. Then we'll figure out the next part. See, it starts with your calling. The second cool thing about, uh, about Peter's uh, story is that because Jesus cares less about what you'll do and he cares more about who you'll be, he doesn't just give him a, a job, he gives him a new name. He changes his identity completely. His name is Simon, and he changes it to Peter. In, Matthew 3:16, in Mark 3.16, he says, um, these are the 12 the, the, the disciples that he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Uh, to them, he gave the name Boanerges, uh, which means sons of thunder. Have you ever had a nickname? Come on, nicknames, anybody? Uh, my nickname was T Money growing up because my friends wanted me to feel like I fit in. Uh, I was I, I, I was T Money growing up. I always wanted a, a cool nickname. I felt like that was kind of like a petty nickname, but I took it and I, I wore it proudly. Um, but but I love this idea that Jesus gives these guys a, a nickname. James and John, their name, Jesus' nickname for them was the Sons of Thunder. Is that not the coolest name ever? Can we put that on a badge, Jesus? Can we just make sure that people know that I'm the son? Can I get a, a lightning bolt, Jesus, so like people know I'm the sons of thunder? But, but, but Simon, Peter's name, it meant the rock. It meant someone who's stable. I think that's kind of funny. Jesus calls Peter the rock. Peter, the guy who like cuts off people's ears when he gets angry, the rock unmovable emotion, constant and steady. Peter the rock. You mean the guy who freaks out and just runs away from Jesus says, I never knew him and like takes off running. You see, I'm just so thankful for that Jesus doesn't doesn't give me a name and he doesn't call me based on who I am or what I've done. He, He always has a dream and gives me a name and an identity based on who I can become. It's never just on where I am and what I've done. It's always based on the potential that God sees in me. God believes in you, friend. He believes in you. You might, have been, uh, you might not be steady all the time. You might feel emotional sometimes. You might want to quit at moments, but you are the rock. P- Jesus says that you can do it. I believe in you. I believe in your calling. The fact that Jesus gives you a calling means that he trusts your ability to fulfill that calling. The fact that Jesus gives you a calling tells me that Jesus believes in your ability to follow him and to become the man or woman that God is calling you to be. Student, pursue this calling. What nicknames have you been carrying that are not the nicknames God wants you to carry? 
Sometimes the world will say you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, tall enough. You're not a good enough speaker. You're not able to make it happen. Friends, that's not true. You are who Jesus says you are. And he says, you are my son, you are my daughter. And I have called you. He says that you are more than a conqueror. He says, for we are his workmanship created to do good works. Uh, the Bible says that we are created in the heavenly places, that we are no longer slaves of sin, uh, that we can live full of love, joy, peace, and patience. Who does Jesus say that you are? You see, Peter, he's no longer Simon. He, he accepts the call to follow. He accepts the call to follow before he accepts a new career. He accepts a calling to follow. The story goes on and in Mark chapter 14, Jesus goes into a garden to pray and he says, hey guys, stay up, protect me for, just have my back. Of course, these guys fall asleep because, you know, Peter the rock. And I think it's kind of amazing that Jesus, he, said, he literally says in Mark 14, 30, 37, he says, he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. And Jesus says this, he says, Simon, wait, I thought you just called him Peter. It says, he literally says, Simon, he said, he said to Peter. It literally says that. In, in verse 37, Mark 14, 37. Simon, he said to Peter. What? Are you asleep? You couldn't keep watch for one hour? You see, all throughout the rest of Peter's life, he's called Simon and Peter back and forth. Why? Because change is complicated. Because sometimes Simon is going to come out. Because sometimes the old you is still going to be there. Because sometimes, even though you are a new creation, you still have old cravings. See, the truth is, is that even though Jesus gives Simon a new name, he still has to battle with who Simon used to be. The story goes on and... I want to read one more verse and I want to close. And I just think it's so amazing. In Mark 16, it says... But once again, you have this guy, Peter, who is messed up. Have you, have you ever messed up before? Like really messed up? Remember when I was 18, I had given my life to Jesus for real. You know what I'm talking about? Like for real? Like, you know, like, like you know, how many times have you come and like put snot on the carpet because like, you're so sorry, I'll never again. And then you go back and again. And um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I really gave my life to Jesus. You see, Peter, he really messed up. Jesus said, you're going to betray me. And G Simon Peter says, no. Jesus says, yes, you are. And he says, no, I won't. And he says, well, you're going to betray me three times. And we all know the story. Peter three times says, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. He messes up. But then in the next scripture that we read here, it says that Mary, Mary, and Salome, they come to the, they come to the tomb, and a man in white says, that Jesus is risen, so go tell the disciples and Peter. Why and Peter? Is it possible, friend, that because of Peter's shame, because of Peter's guilt, because of Peter's sin, that he thought he was no longer a disciple? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Is it possible that the disciples because of legalism and because of religion and because of holding people to standards that are impossible, they too thought Peter was no longer a disciple. In the early church, one of the only things that would get you kicked out of the church after Jesus left was, was to be someone who denied Jesus publicly. 
the martyrs, when they would be put to the stake to be burned alive, when they would be tortured, all they had to do was to deny Jesus and they would get to live. And Peter, he did that. He denied Jesus. I'll never forget when I was 18, I really gave my life to Jesus and I was doing my best and I, I was following him, but you know, I messed up. I got, I got caught up with the wrong crowd yet again and I found myself drinking um, late at night and I got pulled over by the cops and I was drunk and I had six people in my car and they pulled us all out and they put us on the sidewalk and they put us on our hands and our knees and it was bad and they called our parents and it was a miracle. The, the cop knew who my dad was so he, he let us go but he told my dad everything and police officers had to take me back home and I'll never forget, they dropped me off outside. It was 4 a.m. and I thought to myself, I can't go inside. I'm just not good enough. I feel like God has called me to do ministry. I'm 18. I should have it all together. Why do I keep struggling with all these stupid things? I, I, I just don't have what it takes. I just can't go inside. So I decided to walk down the street. I lived in Miami, so I walked to the beach. I went and sat on the beach for a little bit and I got a text message as the sun was coming up two hours later at 6 a.m. I get a text message from my father and he says, Taylor, where are you? And I, I was reading this text and I, I, I literally couldn't even like look at it. I started crying. I'm sitting on the beach. And I just felt shame for going back on my word, for going back on my calling, for being a coward. I just was so embarrassed and I didn't respond. My dad waited about five minutes. And he said, son, just come back home. You can just come back home. If you just come back home, son, you see Jesus, after he raises again, he says, go to Simon, go to the disciples and Peter and tell them to go back to Galilee. Tell them to go back home. Tell them to come back to where it all started. Tell them to go to the shores where I originally called them. Yes, all of you might have scattered in fear. All of you might have ran away from your calling because it didn't turn out the way you had hoped it would. But just because in the current situation is not turning out the way you hoped it would doesn't mean that your calling is forfeited. Just because you sin in your past or you sin in your present doesn't mean that your future it no longer exists. And Jesus says, just come back home to me and I will give you rest. Come back home to me, Peter. You are still my son. You are still my daughter. Obey your calling to be a follower of Jesus. And then I will make you a fisher of men. Obey my calling to be a follower of Jesus and I will make you into a lawyer. I will make you into that teacher. I will make you into that producer, into that writer, into that pastor. But first, come back home and follow me. If we don't get part one right, we'll never get part two right. And if we pursue part two, we'll always leave empty. Friend, it must always start with being a follower of Jesus. The vocation and the career is always part two. Can I pray for us? I just want to pray over some of us. Uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, um, it's 11.52 and I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss. And um, I'd love to invite some of you to come up after if you have some time just to spend some time in worship and prayer. But I just want to pray for some of you. If there's anyone, any students here, if there's anyone here and for the past few months or even right now, and I don't want anyone looking around. This is just, can this just be a moment between us and God for one moment? No one looking. I don't want anyone to be embarrassed. But if you're here and you'd say, Taylor, you know what? I've really been struggling with my calling. I really, I've really been struggling with figuring out what God wants me to do. With knowing where I am, I haven't been perfect. 
I, I'm, I believe in Jesus, but I just haven't been doing exactly everything that I think it is. And, and if I'm being honest, things are not turning out as I hoped they would. Maybe your experience at college hasn't been what you hoped it would. Maybe a relationship hasn't worked out, but you just need some healing. Maybe in that calling or whatever it is. I just want to pray for some people. Can we do something just as a, an act of faith, believing that God is going to heal and that God is going to continue and strengthen our callings? Can we just raise our hand if that's you? The things that aren't turning out as you had hoped. That's amazing. So many of us. That's so good. You can put your hands on. I just want to pray over us. And I'm going to dismiss us and, and we can come up. But Lord, God, we're just so thankful. God, for the call of God that you have given us, for the call that you have given us, God, to be your sons and your daughters. God, before you ever give us a vocation, you give us a calling and that's to be your follower. God, I pray, God, that, that you would give us a heart and a passion to pursue you first, Jesus. God, I pray for healing in this place. God, I pray for, for, for the one who wants to quit. God, it's not over. Would you remind them that it's, that, that it's not over? God, I pray for the one who is disheartened because circumstances turned out differently than they had originally hoped. God, would you speak to them? God, would you, would you give them strength to, to go on to come back home, to come back to the original calling to follow you? God, I pray that your spirit would be with us, that you would speak to us. God, form us into the men and women who you are calling us to be. We love you, Lord. God, I pray for your students. God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that as we go back to class, as we go back to life, God, that, that we would leave encouraged and full of strength and empowered by your spirit. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You're dismissed to go, but if you want, want to take some time and pray, come join us in the front. Thank you, Lord.